0: We're starting this year with a series called He Is, our very first series of 2024. We like to start off the year uh, with some foundational things that really help us to kind of springboard off of it, including our 21 days of prayer and fasting, which starts tomorrow. Uh, I'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. Uh, But we we like to use January to really be a catalyst for us for the rest of the year. And so we always are intentional about our first series of the year too. We wanna talk about all the things that God is. Now, obviously we can't cover everything that he is in four Sundays. Nobody's that good. Uh, but we are going to do our best to uh, cover as much as we can because one thing we know is that we live in a society today where the idea of who God is is becoming more and more subjective. It's becoming more about how it feels to you and how how this works for me and I'm gonna take this part of what I think God is and I'm gonna make it fit what I really want and it kind of becomes me-centric and uh, that's how our society is going, even in the church in some places. and so. Uh, So we are gonna make sure that we are dedicated this month to talking about who God is according to his word, not according to what we think or how we feel. Uh, His character, his authority, his heart, and how you and I fit into that. So I'm excited for this month actually. I I really, uh, I'm passionate about helping the church and all of us understand who he really is. And so uh, I think you're gonna be encouraged and challenged today too. Um, with that being said, I'm gonna get into my text verse in a second, but it's, I wanna set it up because it's, it's out of Exodus 17. This is, uh, this is the time when the Israelites had just recently been delivered from Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt as a whole country for over 400 years. They finally got miraculously delivered, and before they actually went into the Promised Land, they had to wait a while, and so they lived between Egypt and the Promised Land for, for a season. And uh, when they got into the, the desert, uh, if you know the story, you know that they had lots of battles they had to fight. It wasn't just a time of hanging out and waiting. Uh, they had to fight. And the very first battle they had after they came out of Egypt was brought to them by the Amalekites, who were actually their cousins. Uh, leave it to family to be the first ones to try to annihilate you, right? And so uh, they had this fight with the Amalekites. And this is where my, uh, my text is set up. It's in Exodus 17. Uh, in fact, I'm going to read it, so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you would, please, we uh, would like to stand here in honor of reading God's word together. I think it's worthy of it, amen. Uh, Exodus 17, starting in verse eight. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the small staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, on one, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. That is an incredible testimony of how God used Moses' and helped Aaron to win the battle. It says, then after this battle, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What an amazing story that we see here in the word of God. And I'm gonna, we're gonna start our series about he is. Today, I'm gonna talk to you about he is our banner. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be in the house today, God. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for new hope. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you that we can come together, Lord, and we know that you are in this place. We pray that you would have your way in all of our lives, God, for your glory and for our good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, amen. You can be seated. Praise God. He is our banner. You know, the Lord our banner, as Moses said in my text verse, the, it's one of the names of God. Uh, if you look in your Bible, there are, there are many names for God in the Bible. I don't know exactly how many because it's hard to even fully quantify. I know there's more than 20. But there's a lot of names for God in the Bible. Now, I shared on Christmas Eve, if you were here, that uh, names today in our culture don't mean a whole lot. You know, we name our kids something because we think it sounds good or whatever, and uh, don't give a lot of thought as to what that name actually means for the most part. But back in ancient times, it was a big deal, and especially when you're talking about the names of God, it means something. All of the names of God speak to either his character, his authority, or who we are in him, all of them. And God, our banner, is not any different. It's, It's like that as well. In fact, there are a lot of names, and just to, kind of get your, your wheels turning a little bit, I wanna share a few of the names of God that most of these you'll probably recognize if you've been uh, in, in the church or been saved for any amount of time. The first one is Emmanuel. We know this one, this is the one we celebrate at Christmas because it's appropriate at Christmas because it means God with us. Jesus came to earth to be with us. That's why, the, that's why God told Mary to name him Emmanuel because it means God with us. Uh, another name for God is El Shaddai. Many of you have heard that, there's, I think Amy Grant sang a song or, or Michael Card, somebody about El Shaddai, right? Uh, and it means the Lord God Almighty. It means that he is the greatest, that there is none above him, praise God. Then there's Adonai, which a lot of songs have been written with Adonai in it too. And it means Lord or master. He's the top of the heap, there's no one above him. He's the boss, there, he has no boss. He is the boss. Uh, Yahweh, which all, many of us know, it just means Lord. And then there's, there's these names where it talks about who he is to us. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals. Is anybody glad that one of the names of God is that he is a healer? Amen. Praise God for that. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. I am thankful today that my provision does not come from my job. It comes from my God. Thank God for that. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace He is the one that gives us peace that goes against all of our own understanding. It's because of who he is in us. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Praise God that it is not based on how righteous I am, it is based on his righteousness in me. And then finally, Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord our banner. Now when you look at these names, all the names till I got to Jehovah Nisi made sense, right? They all make sense, I, I understand it, I don't need a lot of context for it. God with us, yes. God Almighty, the master, the Lord that heals, provides. He's my peace, he's my righteousness, yes, yes, amen. I declare all those, I love it. Then it gets to God, my banner. That's kind of a head scratcher. Do I need a banner? I don't know. You know, what, what, what does God my banner mean? Because that's what Moses said here. He said, the Lord, our banner. He was dedicating that altar to the Lord because, uh, because they won the battle. So what does him be in our banner, what does that even mean? We have to get some context, we have to get some understanding, understand the culture to really understand what this means. And uh, first of all, to understand a banner, you have to understand that a banner was raised up in times of battle. When When this army or when this tribe went into battle, there would be at least one person whose job it was, was to hold this banner really high and sit on a horse and hold the banner up. And it would flap in the wind, it was like a flag. And it would flap in the wind, that was that person's job. Now, that person was obviously surrounded by people with swords, because obviously that person's pretty defenseless, but they just, they held the banner high. And as the army would advance, if the army was winning and would advance forward, the banner would go forward with the army, and it would advance too. And this, this served a number of purposes for the army that was encouraging to them. Uh, first of all, it became a focal point for the people. It was like when, when a soldier was at ground level, you know, he couldn't see everything, because he's surrounded by people. And so this banner would be raised above the people so he could see that, and that would be a focal point for him. It would be a lighthouse, so to speak, that when he's fighting and he's getting into the battle and he maybe gets disoriented and he wants to make sure he knows where his people are, he can look and see, there's my banner. So that's where my people are. So he, it would keep him from getting too far away to make sure he stayed close to where his people were. It was a great focal point for him. It also reminded them of who they were fighting for because the banner would have the crest of the king on the banner, or the crest of this tribe, or this nation. It would be a, there would be a representation on it that would, they would see that and they would be reminded, that's what I'm fighting for, I'm down here, I'm fighting my battles, but I'm not just doing it for me. Because if I'm just doing it for me, I'm just trying to survive, that's not enough. I need more than that. We know that even for those of you that have been in, a, uh, in war, With the military, if you've been in a war setting, fighting for yourself is not just enough because there comes a point where you can get so exhausted and so worn out, it's just not enough to just the will to live. It's gotta be about something more than that. And they could look and see that banner and that crest and say, I'm fighting for a lot more than myself. I'm fighting for my kingdom. I'm fighting for my king. I'm fighting for things that matter, that there's purpose to this that goes beyond just me living through this battle. So it gave them, it reminded them, and it also encouraged them Because if that flag was advancing, the soldier would know, well, we're winning. We're winning this war, we're winning this battle because the flag is advancing. So it would be an encouragement to them in the midst of their exhaustion and their struggles and their battles. Now conversely, if that flag was gone and it wasn't being seen, that would would be discouraging to them because they would see that they're probably in trouble because if the, the other army got to their banner, that'd be bad because that person was usually pretty insulated because that was very important it was an important sign for the for the soldiers to see so but if he could see it then it was very encouraging to them to know that they were fighting well and they could continue to go on so when you think of it that way you can see how god being our banner is actually pretty cool it's pretty amazing to think that god would be all of that for us that he would be our lighthouse our focal point when we're disoriented. He's the one that when we're too caught up in our battle and we might get too far away, we can look and see where he is and we can make sure we stay close to where he is. That he is the one that encourages us, that he reminds us why we're going through all the stuff we're going through. That I'm not just trying to get through this life for my good and for, even for the people I care about, I'm getting through this life, I'm here to honor my king and his kingdom. I'm living for his glory and for his kingdom. It's actually really amazing to think that he would be our banner. And another part of it is the allegiance, that I would be aligned with that banner because not only is that banner carrying the crest of the king or that nation, I'm also carrying it because it's gonna be on my armor somewhere. So I'm gonna know that I'm aligned with that banner and that banner is aligned with me. So if God is my banner, I'm aligned with him and he's aligned with me, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool to think that he is my banner. He is the one that goes with me into battle. And you know, I know that uh, like last week at our New Year's Eve service, our second, this service, second service, I actually, uh, I mentioned that I asked you to tell me if you feel like in 2023 at some point you wanted to give up. And a lot of hands went up. And based on social psychology, if a lot of hands went up, that means there was even more than that because there's still gonna be people that are too embarrassed to, to admit that they wanted to give up. So. There's a lot of us that have felt that way over the last year. In fact, that was a common thread that I heard quite a bit over 23 was that it was just really tough. A lot of people wanted to give up. In fact, a lot of people had a lot of tough times. It seems like since COVID, it feels like the the challenges have ramped up a little bit in life, haven't they? And many people have wanted to give up. Can I tell you today that the fact that he is our banner is one of the first things we should look to to encourage us when we wanna give up because we're all fighting the battles. We're all in battle, guys. None of us are kicking back on the couch, sipping on sweet tea and just watching TV and not having any battles. You're having emotional battles, you're having uh, mental battles, you're having physical battles, you're having relational battles, you're having financial battles, you're having spiritual battles. We're all in the battle. So there's a banner in your life that you're looking to. And if that banner is your God, it's pretty awesome to know that I can be encouraged by that, to know that I'm not fighting this battle alone, and I'm also not fighting it just for myself. I'm living for him, and he is my banner. And that is something that is meant to encourage us. The fact that he is our banner is meant to be an encouragement to us, just like the fact that he is our peace, that he is our provider, that he is our healer, that he is our righteousness. All those things help describe who he is and who he wants to be for us in our life. And he wants to be yours and my banner. Now, there are a lot of characteristics of what it means for him to be our banner that uh, probably could have done a whole month just on him being our banner. And frankly, these uh, this 21 days, as Jessica said in the announcements, it's, we're, we're, the theme is ban- that he is our banner. And we're going to have banner nights uh, over the next three Sunday nights that I'll, I'll share in a little bit, too. But um, it's all about trusting in him. It's all about who he is to us and living our life committed to him and knowing that we have greater purpose because he is our banner. And so what I want to do today is give you just a few of the, what I think would be some of the most important uh, characteristics of why it matters that God is our banner. Okay, what that means for us. And the first one is that if he is our banner, it gives us identity. God being our banner, Jesus being our banner, gives us our identity. It reminds us whose we are. It reminds us who we are. And it also lets everyone else around us know whose we are. It identifies you. It actually identifies you to the enemy too. The enemy knows who you're aligned with now too, which can bring challenges in life, right? But if our banner, if we're we're fighting under the banner of Jesus, we've got a pretty good chance at coming out victorious in those battles. uh, The banner tells us who you're aligned with. Well, as followers of Jesus, if you're a Christian in this place today, you're aligned with not just a king and a kingdom, you're aligned with the king of kings. You're aligned with the Lord of Lords. You're aligned with an eternal kingdom that will never go away, that will never fade, that will never lose its power, that will never be defeated. That's pretty great to be able to be aligned with that. And so that's our identity if he is our banner, that we are aligned with him, that we are part of his kingdom, we are part of his family, we have been brought into relationship with him, we are welcomed into his throne room because of what he did for us. And so that that becomes our identity. And that's something that should encourage us, church. It should encourage us to know that my identity is to be found in him. That it's not just some, not not sermon fodder for a Sunday morning, but it's how we live our life. Is that we are found in him. That if I'm gonna identify as anything, if I'm gonna identify as anything in this life, it's gonna be him. I identify as a follower of Jesus before my race. I identify as a follower of Jesus before my gender. I identify as a follower of Jesus before my political affiliation, before my career, before any titles, before my last name, my family lineage. I identify first as a follower of Jesus above all else. He is my identity as a follower of Jesus. Praise God. Not that those other things don't matter, but they are subservient to my identity as a follower of Jesus. Period. And there is nothing that can stand up to that. Now, as a note, when it comes to our identity and, and being, being a proud soldier of Christ, okay? And I don't mean pride in like the, the negative sense. I'm talking about being glad that I am associated with Jesus and him as my banner. It is so important that that is real for us because as a soldier in an army, now I've never served in the military, but I know a lot of you have and I know a lot of people who have, they start to indoctrinate you from day one. Uh, uh, boot camp, even before boot camp, you start getting indoctrinated that it is about the greater good, that it is about the purpose, Is not about you, it's actually about the banner that you're fighting under, which here just happens to be the American flag, right? It's, it's about having greater purpose, it's about who you are identified as, it's about being part of a team, and what you know, if you know anybody in the military, you know there is a pride about being part of the military. There is a camaraderie. There, I don't know anybody that's embarrassed to say like, yeah, I serve in the army. Sorry, I don't mean to offend you. Nobody does that. They wear it loud and proud. You guys wear your fatigues in the mall when you don't even have to. I see you all the time. Wearing them in Waffle House. Doing, wearing whatever you gotta wear. And it, I love it because there's an allegiance there's an identity. You are identifying as someone as part of the military and you are working together as a group and you are loud and proud of the fact that you are serving your country the way you are, amen? amen. If you see somebody in the military that's embarrassed of it, it looks weird. Like, what's wrong with you? Yet in the church, we're not nearly as loud and proud. In fact, sometimes you could even say we're a little bit embarrassed. We're embarrassed. Well, I'm a I'm a am a Christian well, what does that mean? Well, you know, I go to church. And we live in such a way where we are not, we're not identifying with this banner. Oh, we are on a Sunday morning because everybody's under the same banner. But we get outside of these walls and we're around people that don't like Christians or don't know it or think that it's weird or think that it's just something that weak people have to do to believe in a God because they can't live their life on their own. Then all of a sudden we're much more pensive and even ashamed a little bit, it comes across as being ashamed to other people. And you know, there was a time in our culture, especially I think back in the 70s during, during the Jesus movement, people were getting saved like crazy and it was actually cool to be a follower of Jesus. It was cool to get saved. It was something you would tell people proudly. But those days have shifted to where we are today to where it's not cool to be a Christian in society. It's not cool at all. It's actually, you can be looked down upon. You can be chastised. You can be thought of differently if, you, if people know that you're a Christian. And so we've gotten to where we keep our Christianity kind of to ourselves and those that are like-minded, but not really letting it be our identity to where we are loud and proud about the fact that we follow Jesus and that we are part of a church and that we live outside of ourselves and it's not just for us. I'm actually living for a God that I know and love who has transformed my life. And it's not about being loud and proud and being obnoxious and annoying and telling everybody you know they're going to hell because they don't know Jesus. But it's about living in such a way that you would want to share and be excited about who, you, who your banner is because that person has transformed your life. And you want to share how he has transformed your life, not to beat people down. Just like military, you people in the, in the Army, Air Force, Marines, Navy, you don't tell people or wear are fatigue so other people feel bad that they're not part of it. You do it because you just believe in it, because you've been indoctrinated. Some indoctrination's good. We we are indoctrinated in our faith, and we need to live it out loud. Okay, church, 2024, let's just commit. We're not gonna be ashamed of being Christians anymore. We're not gonna be ashamed of being part of a church anymore, okay? (laughs) Okay? Let's live out loud. Let's share with others how Jesus has transformed your life. If he has transformed your life, there's nothing anyone can say to dispute it. To say, you know what? I used, to, I used to find my fulfillment in drugs and alcohol. I used to find my fulfillment in sex. I used to find my fulfillment in making as much money as I could make. Jesus has transformed me, and now I live for him, and it is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like That is, that is the message the world needs to hear. Not, oh, you guys are terrible because you don't believe like I do, but just talking about what he's done in your life is amazing. Identify with him as your banner. Because our identity in him, when he is our banner, it reminds us of our place, too. You know, that I'm, that I'm the soldier, he's the king. I'm the soldier, I'm the vessel, I'm the clay, he's the potter. It reminds us of the place where we are, oh, he's, I'm still having to fight my battles, even though there's a banner there. Now, he's, the reason I'm winning any of my battles is because he's there. But I still have my place, my role in understanding my identity. Uh, That my verse, out of my text verse, in verse 15, it says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of God. Hands were lifted up to the throne of God. You know, the Bible tells us all the time, the battle is the Lord's, right? The battle is the Lord's, but we still gotta fight. We still gotta be part of it. And and what we're seeing here is that he says the hands were lifted to the Lord, that the worship was actually the battle for Moses. That was his part in the battle. And And you've heard it many times, I'm sure, that you can worship your way through the battles in your life. We, we, we understand our role is to give full honor and authority and adoration to the banner, to the king, that he's the one. We fight the battles, but he is the one that actually helps us to win those battles in our life. He is our identity. So when he is our banner, he gives us identity. Next, our, he, when he's our banner, he gives us hope. He gives us hope. Now you, you could talk about hope for days and years and decades because everybody wants hope, right? That's one of the exciting things about a new year is that you get new hope. People talk about it all, I've heard it all week. People talk about, oh, new year, I'm excited, you know, things are gonna be good, I'm, I'm hoping for a better 24 than my 23 was and, and that's all fine and good. But listen, church, let's not let our hope just be based on a calendar, okay? The calendar flipping is good. There is a a realness to to the fact that it's a change, it's something different, it's a fresh start, but that can't be where our hope is based, just on the fact that the last number of the year has changed. That's not what our hope is meant to be based on. Our hope is in our banner that reminds us who it is that we serve and whose authority we are working with. That's where our hope comes from. And When we're in the battle and we can see that banner waving high, it reminds us who we are and that the person we're serving is worth the fight because we're fighting for something bigger than ourselves. We serve a God who specializes in giving his people hope. I'll say that again. We serve a God who specializes. It's his specialty to give his people hope. You ever go to a restaurant and You say, I want the chef's specialty because I know he's worked hard on that and he's perfected it or she's perfected it and it's great. It's it's your God's specialty to serve up hope for you. Not only is it something he specializes in, it's part of who he is. It's part of who he is. Uh, Paul said in Romans 15, look at verse 13. He says, may the God of hope, I could probably stop right there. He is the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Everyone say, I want to overflow with hope. (laughs) Do you believe it? (laughs) Did you say it like you meant it? I want to overflow with hope. Yes, you can overflow with hope because you serve a God who is the God of hope. He is the one that fills us With the joy and the peace, notice, remember, one of his names is Jehovah Shalom, which means God, our peace. He is the one that brings, the peace that he gives is the peace the world can't take away. The peace he gives is the peace that has no bearing on your circumstances. It's a peace that goes over and above all of that. He is the God of hope that gives us that peace. It is healthy and good to have hope, church. Some of you have maybe gotten to a place in life where you've had so many things go wrong, you've just given up on hope and you just live in cynicism. And if what you're cynical about doesn't happen, it's just a happy surprise. That is not healthy. It is healthy and good for us to have hope. But it is just as healthy and good to make sure that our hope is based on the right thing. That our hope is not based on a calendar that our hope is not based on the law of averages. Well, I had a pretty rough 22 and 23, so I think I'm due for a good one in 24. It's not based on, oh, I got a new boss, so life's gonna be better for me. It's not based on, oh, I'm gonna graduate in May, so life's just gonna get a lot better. That's where my hope is, just graduating to, to where my life would be better. Again, those things are good things, but that cannot be the foundation of our hope. Because if your hope is based on the new, the new boss, well, the new boss might be better than the old, but the new boss is flawed too. I can guarantee you, I don't even have to know who it is. They're flawed. And there's gonna be issues coming up. If it's based on graduating, I have some bad news. In fact, I'm not even gonna tell you. I'm gonna let your parents tell you. The hope cannot be based on these circumstances or on incidents or on occasions or on seasons in our life. The hope is based on our banner. It's based on the fact that we are aligned with our banner, which is our God. That's where our hope has to be foundationed, where it has to be based. The beauty of this banner, of God being our banner, and where the analogy splits as far as God being our banner in battle. When when you're in a, a real battle, when these soldiers were in a real battle and they saw the banner, the banner, it could encourage them, it could remind them, it could give them uh, some inspiration to keep on going when they're exhausted. But the banner physically couldn't do anything for you. Right, and, and you know the king, oftentimes the king of these tribes or nations was the best warrior of the whole nation. Sometimes that's how they got to the place of king because they might have killed the other king and, and got, took the throne or whatever. That king was probably the best warrior, but oftentimes the king didn't actually fight because they were too important to fight and risk getting killed. So the king was observing and the banner was there as well. And it could all encourage you and and give you inspiration, but couldn't actually give you their ability. The banner we serve under, if you look at again in Romans 15, 13, where he says the God of hope fill you so that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that you cannot miss because this tells me that not only is the banner of God encouraging and, and, and all those great things, he actually can give me the power I need to win my battle. That I'm not only just not doing it for myself, I'm not even doing it by myself. I'm doing it with a power inside of me that I don't have on my own. That same power that gives me peace that I don't deserve, that same power that gives me joy that makes no sense, is the same power that helps me win these battles because it's my banner's spirit in me, giving me what I need. So as I am submitted to him, Paul says, as you trust in him, as you surrender to him and you submit to him, you get to have the power of him in you to give you the hope in your battle. And that is absolutely beautiful. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he not only saves us, that he fills us with his spirit. And when he does that, we have power to have transformed lives that we could have never done on our own. We have power to deal with situations that no human could have figured out on their own. You could have power to have discernment. You could see something coming that no one else can see because of the spirit of God in you. You can see the future sometimes. God will give you prophetic words and visions and and dreams and things where you can just see something that you couldn't possibly have done on your own. That's the beauty of him being our banners, that he gives us hope. But it's not just a hope like, ooh, I hope it's gonna be good, but it's a hope that's real because he can back up the hope because of his power in you. And it is so beautiful. He gives us hope because we are prone to be hopeless. As humans, we are prone to go into hopelessness in our life, to go into desperation because we can't do it on our own. We would need God to be a God of hope if hope was something we could just get on our own and we could just figure it out. He has to be the one to give us hope because we are prone to become hopeless. We are prone to get to places of desperation in our life where we just feel like nothing's gonna get better or this situation is not gonna get better. And what I love about God being our banner is that he is a God for the desperate. He is a God for the hopeless. If you are here today or you're listening online and you would call yourself a Christian and you have a salvation experience where you remember giving your life to Jesus, the only way to really get to that place is to be at a place of desperation. You can't get saved if you don't think you need to be saved. If you don't feel like it's hopeless any other way. That's the only way to get saved. Salvation comes at the intersection of hopelessness in yourself that I'm not good enough, that I can't do it enough, that I'm a, too flawed of a person, it comes at, at the intersection of that and meeting Jesus. And understanding that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God, he is Emmanuel, God with us, who came to earth as a man, lived a sinless life, but died a sinner's death to pay for that, that, that hopelessness that you have, that inability you have to do it on your own. He did it for you, and when you understand that and realize that and meet your hopelessness, that's the point of salvation. That's how you step into salvation is knowing I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior and I can never do it on my own. If you came to Jesus any other way, you had to eventually get to a point where you realize I can't do this on my own. It's not about adding Jesus to your life. Like I'm a pretty good person. I just need a little boost to make me a little better so I can go to heaven. That's not salvation. Salvation is you are wretched. You are naked. You are poor. You are penniless. You are broke. You have nothing to offer God a perfectly holy God. So what did he do? He came and did it for you. And you just put your faith and your trust in him. But you can only do that if you're desperate and you realize you can't do it. That's why evangelism in the West is becoming more and more difficult because there's not as much desperation in advanced societies because we have technology, we have so many things that we can get by with. You can get by with your whole life and not ever get to a place of spiritual desperation because physically you may not be desperate. And so evangelism is more difficult as people, as societies become more advanced. The, the more developing nations, people getting saved left and right, Christianity is exploding all over the place. In the United States, Western Europe, places like that, it's struggling. I mean, we don't like to talk about it, but if we're honest, the gospel, the gospel will never lose its power. It's never, it, the gospel's never struggling. It's the idea that people just aren't giving themselves to it because there's not desperation. But God is a God for the desperate. And when you after you get saved, you still get to places of desperation, places of hopelessness. And that's where he comes in. When he is our banner, he gives us hope that the world can't give and the world can't take away. Praise God. So he is when he's our banner, he is our hope. And finally, our banner, he gives us purpose. He gives us purpose in the struggle. I cannot emphasize this enough, and I know I I feel like I say this a lot and I'm gonna continue to say it, because if for no other reason it reminds me and it encourages me. But him being our banner does not mean the struggle goes away. You know, when you're, when you're fighting your battle, if you're in a war and you're fighting your battle, when you see the banner, it encourages you, it can inspire you, it gives you a focal point, it gives you a reference point, it's a lighthouse, but it doesn't take away the battle. It just helps you in the battle. When God's our banner, he helps us in the battle. He doesn't take away the battle. You still got battles. As long as we live on this earth, we're gonna have battles. But the banner gives us purpose in the battle, that it's really not just about me. I'm not just trying to get through this life to be able to have a good legacy so that when I die, people can talk nice about me at my funeral. My life has a lot more purpose than that now. It has purpose because I'm, I'm living for something much, much, much greater than myself so that even if my battles are tough and I'm exhausted and I'm wandering and I feel like I'm actually losing my battles and I feel like I'm getting beat up and I'm getting stabbed with swords and I'm getting beaten with spears and kicked with metal boots and I'm just beat down I still have purpose because of the banner that I'm fighting under now, as I said, I don't wanna sound contradictory. Of course, he gives us his spirit to help us fight those battles, but it still doesn't make the battle go away. It gives us the hope and the peace and the joy in the battle, but there's still times you're gonna feel like you're losing the battle. Otherwise, so many of us wouldn't have raised our hand last week when I said, did you feel like giving up? That, If you feel like giving up, you're losing the battle. Okay, And that's okay. We all have moments where we feel like we're losing. We just need to refocus. We need that lighthouse. We need to keep our our hearts set on that that lighthouse and maybe we've wandered too far away from it and my people are all way over there and I need to get myself back over there. And I need to be encouraged by it because I can't even see the crest right now, I'm so far away. I'm not sure what I'm fighting for anymore. I need to get closer so I can see it, so I can remember my purpose in this battle. Being able to see the banner and identify with the banner gives us hope, but it doesn't mean we don't have to fight. It gives us purpose in the fight, and you know, there are fights that, there are some fights in our life, some battles in our life that God even brings those battles for us, because he wants us to have to focus on him. He wants us to have to readjust our perspective and look to the banner, look to him as our banner. And there are a lot of fights we run from. We just would rather avoid them and just run, we go as far away as we can. We think we can outrun the enemy and everything. It just means you get out of here, and that doesn't work either. But some of the battles that God will bring our way are for our good, and they're for his glory, and he wants to help us to be victorious in those battles. Now, you could even say that fasting, in some ways, fasting is a battle. It's a battle that God brings into our life, I believe. Fasting is biblical, and I know in, in Western church society now, fasting is not talked about a whole lot, Uh, It's not practiced as much as as I'm sure the Lord's heart would be for us to practice, but it's something that we, at the beginning of every year, we try to give opportunity for that and kind of do it corporately to be kind of an encouragement to each other to fast. Jesus talked about fasting. The, The Bible talks significantly about fasting, that it's important that we do it, and it's one of those things that is, it can be hard to understand if you've never made it a practice in your life. I've tried to make it a practice in my life fairly consistently, And what I could tell you is that it doesn't make sense rationally and practically to think, how can me depriving myself of food or something, how can that do something in the spiritual realm between me and God? But it just does. God meets us in that place. He meets us because what we're doing is we're sacrificing. We're, we're surrendering ourselves to him. What we're doing if we go without food is we're saying my appetite is not going to control me. My appetite's actually gonna have to come into submission and I'm gonna focus, I'm gonna deprive myself of some nutrients and food or whatever it is so that I can focus on my God. And God meets us in that place. I can tell you unequivocally some of the greatest experiences that I've had with my savior have been during times of fasting. I've had times where he spoke to my heart so clearly that literally changed the direction of my life that came through fasting. And now when I have a very big decision to make, I will typically try to incorporate fasting. It's not a way of trying to manipulate God to answer your questions or give you what you need, but it's about making sure that I'm not letting anything get in my way. Nothing's gonna distract me. I wanna have laser focus on my God. And we do this the first three weeks or, or in three of the first three weeks of the year to build as a foundation for us that we would refocus, because especially coming off the holidays, I mean, listen guys, I know enough to know that 80% of us in this room right now are addicted to sugar after Christmas. You just are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Probably 75%, but there's still a lot of us, and we kind of give ourselves to the holidays. I talked to someone yesterday that said, you know, it's Christmas, so I just ate everything I wanted to eat, and, uh, and now they're paying for it. <laughs> but even in that, in the beginning of the year, just to, to give up, Something. And I know, you know, we'll say, like, you can give up social media, you know, if it's something, if you've never fasted food before. uh, But I I really want to encourage you, if you at all possibly can, give up some type of food. Because there's nothing like the appetites in our body that when we deny them, it does something. It just does something. It hurts. And I've done plenty of fasts where I've done nothing but water for a season. And let me tell you, it's not fun. I don't enjoy it. I love food, I love to eat. And so it's not fun, but and I'm telling you, and, and you feel weak for a while, and, and i get headaches, and, but you, know, you actually get to a point where all of a sudden your body starts burning fat as, for energy, and you start to feel like a million bucks. And it's actually really good, even doctors say fasting is good for the body physically uh, for a season. And so I wanna encourage all of us to in some way take part in this. If it's just giving up sugar, or giving up fried food, or if you can do nothing but water and juices or things like that, Uh, to do that for three weeks and and just to trust God and make sure you're you're pressing into him and you're not just going on a holy hunger strike, but you're actually taking the time that you would normally be eating and you're praying and you're talking to God and probably doing a lot of complaining to God about how hungry you are and stuff like that. Um, But it's so good for us. And I wanna encourage you to do that. In fact, we're gonna have uh, little journals that you can take. Uh, the ushers will have them as you go out today. If you want to take one, that where you can just kind of journal your prayers during that time. We have some scripture to kind of help lead you for each of the days of these 21 days. It starts tomorrow, so uh, would love for you to be part of that and to uh, to participate with us. And we're going to be talking about it a lot. In fact, then uh, the next three Sunday nights, we're actually going to be having what we're calling our banner nights. Uh, Jehovah, Nisi, God is our banner. We're gonna we're gonna take the next three Sunday nights and have. Services. Okay, They're gonna start at 5.30, and it's, it's not gonna be just like Sunday morning. There will be worship, there will be a message. We're gonna have times of ministry and prayer together uh, where we're gonna be able to, to, to minister to you and just pray for you. It's something that we believe that joy, and I believe the Lord has led us to do this. Uh, I know on the, on the practical side, it, it's, you, know, you don't see church on Sunday nights anymore in the West, and especially during the NFL playoffs, that's pretty rough, but we're, we're doing it. We're believing that for those that will come, God's gonna show up, he's gonna meet you, He's gonna. I believe he's gonna. We're gonna have encounters with God. I believe he's gonna set people free from things that have been holding you back and putting you in chains for years. I believe you're gonna get set free. We're gonna. We're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit and His His role in us, dwelling in us, and what that looks like in our life. Uh, it's gonna be really incredible. So I want to encourage you to come to all three of these over the next. Not tonight. It starts next Sunday night, and then that last one we're actually gonna end it with a, an international potluck too, which is incredible, and uh, that's just a bonus for all of us because it also ends. It happens to be the 22nd day, so it'll be end of your fasts and, and you'll just be able to eat all the international food you want. So um, it's gonna be really exciting. But I, I wanna encourage you to be part of that because that, this, this is a challenge, but there's purpose in it. When he is our banner, he gives us purpose. It's not just going without something just to do it because the preacher said to do it or because it just sounds like the right thing to do, but it's about your relationship with him and advancing in your relationship with him and advancing his kingdom as well. And I believe God will meet you in that place as we do that. I wanna close with one more verse. I don't think they're gonna have it on the screen, but Psalm 121, verses one and two, I love it. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I wanna ask you today, where are you looking? Where are you lifting your eyes? We all have a banner that we are focusing on. What is your banner? Because I could tell you, your God wants to be your banner. He wants to be Jehovah Nissi for you. Stand with me, please, church. I want us to pray. And I want you to come to the altar this morning, or this afternoon now. If you wanna just commit that he's gonna be your banner this year. Not saying he wasn't last year. But just to commit and focus that God, you are gonna be my focal point. I'm gonna find my hope in you. I'm gonna find my joy in you. I'm gonna find my identity in you. I'm gonna find my purpose in you. It's all gonna be in you. We're taking a stand. The world, we marinate in the things of the world all week long. We just, we just simmer in it all week. There's no way to escape it. It's all around us. But it doesn't have to have our focus. It doesn't have to be our banner. Your finances do not have to be your banner. Your marital status does not have to be your banner. Your relationships don't have to be your banner. Your education does not have to be your banner. Your health does not have to be your banner. Can I encourage some of us this year, let's stop complaining about our health every opportunity we get and anybody that will listen. I'm not saying it's not real, but we make that our banner when that's our go-to all the time because we want people to feel sorry for us or we just want sympathy or whatever it is. And what we're doing is we're actually making that thing have influence over our life. I'm not saying you can't talk to anybody, but let's not let that be our focus. The things that are wrong with our life. Let's focus on Jehovah Nisi. Let's let him be our banner this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. I thank you for your presence here, Lord. I pray you would do your work in our hearts for those at the altar this afternoon, God. Lord, we want you to transform us. Transform us, Lord. None of this matters one iota if your spirit does not work in our hearts. We will walk away being no different, but with the power of your spirit, As we trust you, we know that your spirit comes in and we can overflow with hope, with joy, with peace. We can overflow with your power. We can be be empowered to win the battles. Lord, whatever those banners are in our life that wanna take place, relationships, money, career, education, pornography, drugs, alcohol, narcissism, anxiety, fear. We come against every one of those today in the mighty name of Jesus. We lay those at your feet, Lord. You have defeated every one of those things. They are, they are powerless against your spirit. So God, would you move in us by your spirit to help us walk in the freedom that you paid such an incredible price for us to have. I pray freedom over everyone at this altar today. In Jesus' name, total freedom. The chains are off. We are walking out of the prisons. We are free to go. Lord, help us to be bold, to step out, to walk out of those things. We thank you that you are our identity. God, we will not be ashamed to be Christians. Your word tells us that if we are ashamed of you, you will be ashamed of us. God forbid, God forbid that the people of New Hope would be ashamed to proclaim their faith in Jesus, but that we would be loud and proud about the transformation that we've experienced because of your great love for us. God, that we would boldly proclaim who we are, who our allegiance is to, and who our banner is. We thank you for it, God. We love you today. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. God, that they would not leave this moment not knowing that they have given their life to you, that they have received your forgiveness, that they have received the great mercy of God that was displayed on the cross 2,000 years ago that we, they would put their life in you and ask you to forgive them, to repent of their sins, to walk away and to live their life trusting you. We know that your word tells us that when we do that, we will be saved and that you bring salvation to us immediately. So would you do that today, Lord? We love you, we thank you and it is in your precious name we pray, Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Praise God. Yes, let's praise God amen. one more time.